HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Kathy Arway, and today it is a very brisk, chilly Monday in December, and this show's today, today's show is actually brought to you by Fairway Market, the world's finest market. I think I got that moniker a little bit off, but we get the point. We all love Fairway. Um, yeah, so today I'm here with a couple guests, and it's actually my first time having two female guests today, the two two chicks um, in a radio show. <laughs> start somewhere. <laughs> yeah, usually it's like a girl and a guy, and then we like kind of shoot off different dating ideas from each other, and um, last week there was two guys only, so yeah, why not why get not? the girl's perspective? <laughs> and who better than to do that with um, Kat Maloney? Hi. Thanks so much for being on the show. <laughs> um, you spent the last few months learning how to make cheese and learning how to make wine, and you wrote a blog about it called Make Cheese and Wine with Me. Make wine and cheese with me. Well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's obviously a very um, good skill to learn in the dating world and food amazing. cooking world. It was amazing. Yeah, and you also got to travel out for that, so Absolutely. good for you. Mm-hmm. Cool. We also have Aaron Breed on the show today. Hi. Thanks so much for coming. And you have a book coming out called How to Sew a Button and Other Nifty Things Your Grandmother Knew. Um, that's coming out in a week. Yeah, I think. On December 15th. And with Ballantine Books from Random House. That's right. Awesome. Check it out. Um, so basically, we have a couple of chicks who really know how to make stuff. It's a DIY date today. Um, not just sew a button, actually, Erin. This like book has everything in it. In fact, the first whole section is devoted to cooking, 
foods, um, how to roast a whole chicken, how to fillet a fish. Somebody asked me that recently. What um, did you say? <laughs> um, actually, they're asking me how to cook a fish. Uh-huh. And they were like, you know, I just don't know what to do with the fish. It just perplexes me. And I hear this, you know, I hear different things. Like some people don't know what to do with um, an egg or something like that. Um, It's the basics. Yeah, it's the basics. And I feel like this is a very um, basic, (laughs) you know, like seeing a fish, I think it just throws people off. If you've never handled it before, there's you're like, do I have to skin it? Do I have to fillet it? And a lot of you a know. lot of questions. Yeah. Well, for my book, I interviewed ten grandmothers who survived the Great Depression, oh, and um, one of them is a big fisherwoman, and she said, "You cannot expect somebody else to clean your catch. You have to be responsible for your own food, and know how to do it. And if you're squeamish, get over yourself. Cause wow. You just <laughs> do it. Isn't that great? So the wisdom from the grandmothers. I, you know, it's funny. I went fishing recently, and nobody wanted to clean or scale those fish. Mm-hmm. And I kind of didn't really want to either. Like, we caught about a dozen fish, and so it was a lot of work. It is a lot of work, yeah. Well, another grandmother I interviewed was talking about how to roast a chicken, and I'm 35 years old, and I hadn't roasted a chicken before I wrote this book. Wow. Um, and that was part it of just... the thrust of the book. It was like, yeah, I guess the idea for the book came about when I was trying to make a pie. I was trying to make a strawberry rhubarb pie. Mm. And I went to all these grocery stores in Brooklyn looking for my rhubarb, and I couldn't find any. And I ended up accidentally buying Swiss chard, thinking it was rhubarb. Oh, no. And I made my friends a strawberry Swiss chard pie. <laughs> no. I did. So <laughs> it's red Swiss friends. chard. <laughs> you cut off the greens and then <laughs> use the stalks. Yeah. That is amazing. Yes. Was it good? It was awful. It was terrible. <laughs> um, and it was a memorable moment. At what I mean, point does like... this become sweet and not <laughs> vegetal? <laughs> it was horrible. Don't ever do it. Don't ever do it. Um, wow. But it so was you... like, what else have I... I mean, I used to clip rhubarb out of the garden with my grandmother, and it's like, what else have I forgotten or never learned? Mm-hmm. I mean, filleting a fish was certainly one of those things. Um, you know, cooking a pie is another baking a pie so I think that's ballsy that you went for a strawberry rhubarb pie which is not your basic <laughs> one too you aimed you aimed pretty high and then yeah I aim high <laughs> you know <laughs> that's funny so this project started as like the food the cooking aspect was one of the first things that made you think hey there's some things that um my grandmother knew and I don't apparently exactly and food was one of them yeah it was a failed pie and then you know with the economy and and the the stock market crashing and everybody's sort of pinching pennies it was like at this point it's irresponsible not to know how to do things yourself like it's and it's empowering to to learn all of these things and you know it saves you money and it's just it's really important to know I mean we're going through the great recession not the great depression but there are a lot of things that are similar. I noticed that you had a chapter on how to make your own bread and being someone that's <laughs> very interested in kind of lost food arts like cheese and wine and stuff like that. What are what were some of the things that you learned about baking your own bread? Well, I learned that kneading bread takes a little bit of practice, but you can master it in basically an afternoon. Um, this one grandmother I interviewed, her name was Jean Dinsmore, and she's uh, I think 94 years old and she grew up in Idaho. She, actually, she was born in 1918 and she said she remembered that because she was born at home because of the flu epidemic. She remembered being born? I mean, <laughs> she <laughs> didn't remember being born. 
I remembered it. <laughs> I remembered it. Um, she was born into a flu epidemic. Right. So okay. she had to be born. Her, her mom had to give birth to her at home rather than in the hospital. Um, but she was talking about one of her favorite childhood memories is running home from school and having the fresh baked bread come out of the oven. And she would grab one heel and her sister would grab the other and her mom would get so mad because... You know. There is something just completely irresistible about freshly baked bread mm-hmm. right out of the oven. I, you know, yeah. people say, you know, fresh bread from whatever your favorite New York bakery or favorite restaurant is awesome. You know, they always bake it that day. But there's something very different about pulling it out of the oven yeah. and trying it. And it tastes so different, too. It does. And it's really hot. <laughs> you should actually probably wait like... Mm, a minute or two. Yeah, you know, I talked to my, I have a friend who's a, the bread instructor at the French Culinary Institute, and she sort of gave me some behind the scenes advice on this particular tip and came over and was like, you know, made sure I had my kneading technique right and went over my recipe. And um, she was really helpful, but she said the hardest part about baking bread is waiting to eat it. You're supposed to wait, like, I think she said like 45 minutes after Oops. it comes out of the oven because it, of the crumb. Because of right? um, carbon dioxide is still trapped in it, oh, yeah. and it has to re- it has to release. Uh-oh. So otherwise, it doesn't. Taste is this a taste? Th- yeah, it's a taste yeah, thing. It's a taste thing. Okay. Yeah. I noticed sometimes, and maybe I underbaked it, but when when you sometimes cut into it, it's a little bit moist. Uh-huh. The crumb. <laughs> exactly. Uh, or maybe it's just like so hot that the steam the is steam like is making it making soggy. it go crazy. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's fun to break I, bread, though. It's also fun to not wait. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Get out soggy, the <laughs> Soggy middle bread, scorching hot. Yeah. I, I'm into it. Um, that's so funny that you have a section about that. Um, there is actually a section in my book coming up and mm-hmm. about bread baking, and that was one of the skills that I learned how to do um, now that uh, I didn't have your book at the time. So I just kind <laughs> of uh, winged it and... <laughs> I would have liked to. Um, there do, was a lot of trial and error. Uh, yeah. Do you bake all of your bread now? Yeah, that's you the do? thing. You yeah. know, I bake, you know, lately I've just been traveling a bit, but um, I generally like to bake a, bre- a loaf of bread once a week or once every other mm-hmm. week and just have that on hand. Um, there's so many things you could do with the leftover bread when it's not all crusty and wonderful and fresh, bread too. Bread pudding. I love bread, bread pudding. pudding. Totally. Or you could just make lasagna. Forget the pasta oh interesting i've never heard of that yeah well it's the same concept as bread pudding right sort of mm-hmm. just savory I guess. savory yeah bread and cheese french and toast and... uh-huh another good one yeah um <laughs> you can else? just make it into bread crumbs bread. yeah you could i mean that can go into on top of whatever anything anything coating Sometimes I, I'll save them because, you know, they should be really fresh and, like, nice. And you could save – it freezes well. freezes better than, like, a whole chunk of bread and you have to thaw it. Mm-hmm. It also saves space, too, because it's compact. Mm-hmm. I'm all for freezing breadcrumbs. <laughs> right on. Cool. So um, so you learned how to bake bread. How mm-hmm. hard was it for you? Um, first of all, actually, I wanted to ask, why do you think it is that you fell out of these routines that people kind of took for granted – in an early age? I think... Um, I don't mean like you personally. Well, you can answer that, you personally. But yeah, you know. I mean, I can I can certainly answer for myself, which is it just wasn't protocol. You know, mm-hmm. if, if a button fell off my shirt, I would take it to the tailor. 
you know, that's what you did. Like, that's the next step. It was never like, oh, I'm going to go get needle and thread and sew it back on. It's like it just it wasn't part of my consciousness, you know. And, and I think we're so used to, to, I guess, you know, the culture where you just pay other people to do it for <laughs> Pay other people. <laughs> Thank you. Re- yes. Depend on other people to do everything. Yeah. It's almost like this weird class-divided society now, <laughs> the days where we have, like, appointed servants and yeah. we don't do any of this stuff. Right. But you now, know, you know, I was just reading in the Times that the unemployment rate and underemployment rate is, like, 17.5% for those, uh, like... Uh, I think it's 10% of unemployed and another 7.5% unemployed. And mm. it's like, you can't even really count on your job anymore. Like, it's important to mm-hmm. know how to take care of yourself and, exactly. and save money. Mm-hmm. Don't spend the money you don't have. Mm-hmm. Right. And don't get too scared about it, too. I mean, I feel like a lot of people, there's this fear attached with, I don't know, trying to fly a fish. But um, when it comes down to it, sewing a button is not hard. It's just, it's just... We just don't know how to start, where to start. And just jump in. I mean, I didn't, I, you know, I didn't know how to do a lot of this stuff, probably most of this stuff before I wrote the book. And if I can do it, anybody can do it. I mean, just, you just have to start and it's fun. You know, it's fun to bake a pie. Even if your pie is terrible, you're still going to have fun and your friends are still going to love it. Pretty much. (laughs) Unless it has Swiss chard in there. (laughs) (laughs) And even that's pretty fun, too. <laughs> right. I'm sure you guys had a good night, you know, laughing yeah. about this. We had a laugh. We still laugh about it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's that's the best thing. Your friends will always forgive you for your culinary mistakes. But if you go to a restaurant and somebody, a chef, did that and you're paying and you would storm out. You would demand a refund. You would talk, you know, smack about them to yeah. all your friends. Yeah. There's, there's a different... <laughs> aspect of um cooking with your friends and people yeah I had a friend email me who had read I did a uh how to make a pie uh tutorial on YouTube and she watched it and she said I'm gonna make a pie for my friends tonight and I am going to freak them out (laughs) (laughs) whoa that's great (laughs) freak them out because it's so good or so because she's making a pie oh oh, i see so good but you just you know the fact that it is yeah anything that comes in a pie plate is delicious i think in my book okay totally so i love to ask these things like what's your favorite food to cook to impress people Mm. um on a romantic situation cat do you have any Mm. thoughts on that well, sweet, savory, uh, cheesy. Say, uh, yeah, a good cheese, even though I wouldn't necessarily make it myself, even though I do know how to make cheese. But mm-hmm. I always feel like starting a good date is with a good, nice piece of cheese. Interesting. That's what, like what kind of cheese? Like, Well, actually, I just discovered this new cheese, and I bought it at um, Lucy's Way in the Chelsea Market. And it's from upstate New York. It's called Kunik, K-U-N-I-K. And it was a mix of goat and cow's milk and it just had the, the most incredible flavor just really rich and creamy and just super super good and i'm blinking on the farm who makes it so I'm and, but it's myself. upstate new york upstate new york check out okay. lucy's way they're really great they're all they're trying to do you know northeast um yeah they're and basically local. new york state they focusing have, on that because there's some really great artisanal cheeses that are probably uh, overlooked definitely my friend amy thompson is actually the cheese uh 
I don't know, scout or something like that. Oh, she there. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah, she's awesome. That sounds like a good job. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit more about this and also your perfect date meal. But you chose a song to play. Yes. Um, what is it? And why This song choose? is called Way Tight, and it's a love song by Ani DeFranco. And it's also not only about love, but also beer and sandwiches, two of my favorite things. <laughs> awesome. Be right back. Welcome back to Let's Eat In. I'm your host, Kathy Irway. This show was formerly known as Cheap Date. No longer, but that's okay. Um, this is Heritage Radio Network, brought to you today by Fairway Market. Um, we're here with Kat Maloney and Aaron Breed, and we were just talking about how to start off a date, your perfect date meal, Kat. Um, cheese. Cheese. <laughs> Specifically, some Kunick cheese from... Upstate New York. Upstate New York. And what is what was the characteristic about it? Was it like oozy? It, uh, was yeah, it, it was definitely cr- creamy. Yeah, not too oozy, but really nicely delicate cream, and uh, had a nice mix of cow and goat's milk. So you got a little bit of the funky goat with a nice creamy right. cow. I think it's good to start with something that isn't really like harsh and too funky. Yeah, <laughs> or also too pungent or something. Right, something too salty. You want to be gentle on the palate. Um, so, okay. So, and do you have anything else? And then also, would... oh, yeah, like ap- aperitivo. So some, some wine for sure, you know, just something when you have a good cheese and you have a good wine I, what? or what? what type of wine specifically. Okay. Yeah. Go for that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it really depends on what exactly you like, but I just feel like if you just go for quality over thinking too much about where it's from or what great variety it is. I think, you know, Americans, especially compared to Europeans who, if you ask a European where, or someone in Italy, you know, what grape is in your wine, they wouldn't even know what to tell you. Mm-hmm. I think Americans focus too much on, is it a Merlot? Oh my God, you can't have a Merlot because mm. of that movie, you know, six years ago. <laughs> um, but if you just concentrate on good quality wines and, and make sure that you like it, that's all that matters. Okay. This is actually a struggle for me because I want to have like good quality wine, but I also want to not spend 
crazy amounts. Exactly. Usually my um, indicator of how good a wine would be is the price tag. Mm-hmm. But that can't be all. No. That can't be true. No. So how would I go about figuring out what's a good quality wine? Do I have to do research and know like what vintage is the best for this varietal in that region? You can, but that sounds like a lot it of work. It does. <laughs> I can't do that. I don't have that capacity in right. my head either. Absolutely. And, you know, I think the, the best way to do it, that's the easiest way, is to ask the person this that works clerk, in the wine so store right. because his job is to taste the wines and to do that job for you of knowing what everything that's tastes so like. That's so true. And getting the most bang for your buck. You know, hopefully he'll be honest with you. But in terms of price with wine, I mean, usually it's driven by how many points Parker gave it and you know that's his own personal taste who's parker he is a i'm out of it he's a big wine critic who basically ranks all the wines you know from 80 and above and you know a lot of the fabulous wines that he loves you know which are great but they'll also cost probably more than a hundred dollars a pop right you don't always have to go by someone else's taste buds you know you just want to make sure you focus on your own um so yeah i would definitely start with yeah, who's behind the counter and who probably knows That's these the other thing. Really if well. you develop a relationship with that person behind the counter of that wine store and you can trust their palate and you're like, they recommend yeah. something and you're happy with it, then keep going there. Mm-hmm. You have like a personal wine guy connoisseur. Absolutely. And just like girl. if you go to Murray's Cheese Shop and you have a favorite person that works there or Lucy's Way and you say, you know, what's good today? That totally. type of thing. That's a good idea. Yeah, too. It's, it's almost yeah, like comparing. You sometimes never know what you're going to get with cheese. Yeah, yeah, but I think it's like comparing, you know, going to the farmer's market and asking, like, you know, what's the cool thing to get today? If you were me, what would you buy and cook for dinner? You know? Oh, absolutely. Don't be afraid to reach out. And hey, you know, if you become really friendly with your. <laughs> With your food purveyors, you could have another person to have a date with. Oh, yeah. These days. Yeah, and they're the experts. I've never right? done that, I swear. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that sounds very romantic. Wine and cheese to yeah. start out the date. Mm-hmm. And from the girl who makes it. But you wouldn't make it for a date, would you? No, that's also a lot of work. But, I mean, I hope to one day make enough work. That I would just, be very impressive. It would. Yeah. It would. Um, I just made this... Uh, <laughs> I just made some cheese and wine for you tonight. <laughs> but the thing with wine and cheese is that they both take, unlike bread, where you can do it in a day, but which also takes a fair amount of time. Yes. Cheese and wine usually takes at least, well, for cheese, unless it's a fresh cheese like ricotta, mm-hmm. it will take probably at least a month. Yeah, so you'd have to have like a cellar of right. stuff. And then wine, because the aging process is usually, you know, I would say a year. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, I think it would be so much more attractive, so much more... Um, industrious and clever and more impressive on the other person to make to to serve them something that you actually made and that's why I think that cooking for a date shows so much more of your personality and it shows guts too that you're confident and that you have skills you know I agree you know now I want to make cheese and wine and then like (laughs) just pull it out of my you know dry cellar somewhere and yeah (laughs) just have stuff on stock it's sexy how cool would that be all right we need to talk and i'll have to steal some secrets (laughs) (laughs) no but i do have a story with this when i was in italy and france and spain and i would be hanging out with these winemakers and they also all happen to be amazing cooks you know someone that's really passionate about wine will probably be a big foodie as well and here we are we would be having these you know incredible dinners that they cooked for the night and then we would be drinking their wine and I felt like 
when I finally realized in those moments that here I was with the person that made the wine and the food, it just was mind blowing. Mm-hmm. Like I was just so happy and I just felt so lucky that of being in the presence of someone that can do that. You know, I just feel like it's so empowering. It's a, it was to a total that. turn on. Total turn on. I have <laughs> I to hear say. You. That's basically what I'm saying. <laughs> people who make stuff are generally very creative people. And if that's what you're into, I mean, hey, all the better. Yeah. I forgot to mention, you can actually call in today, too, if you'd like to talk with Aaron and Kat or me. Um, the number is 718-497-2128. So, Aaron, what would you cook? It's Except for bread um, or in yeah, addition to. I might stay away from bread for a date dinner because it's it's always my instinct to make a lot of food and you never want to feel oh my god yeah because and also they would be kind of um pressured to finish everything because it's kind of rude not to right oh my god yeah that's a good idea that's a good tip do not cook too much yeah or you yourself are already full from eating all the bread from that day (laughs) (laughs) all the taste tests right um, so I think that's that's probably good advice. It's like on a date, the food is is not necessarily the main attraction. The, mm-hmm. the person is and the time you're spending together. So don't overdo it. So I might right. make, I mean, something pretty simple, like you can roast a chicken in 45 minutes and it's the perfect meal for two people and it's anybody can do it. You just like slip some fresh herbs and stick a butter like between the skin and the meat of the chicken. <laughs> Your eyes. Yes, a vegetarian. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I have seen beautiful roasted chicken, and it is a, a sight to see. You know, it's, it's really, it's really wonderful. Um, that's really funny that you mentioned that because my friend—I don't want to call her out—but she's um, she's a very comp, you know, capable uh, cook usually. Mm-hmm. And she's a food writer. She's great. Um, but she actually just wrote to me, and she's like, "I just cooked for a date." at my place and you should really talk about like date nerves when you're cooking because she's she tried to roast a whole chicken Uh and she's like it's my like all-time like classic i know how to do it and she completely messed up i don't know how but that's what she said (laughs) and she had she had a case of the date cooking nerves Uh i'll have to have her on the show next (laughs) then i'll really bust her (laughs) so i think the answer to that is when you buy a bottle of wine for the date you also buy a bottle of wine for yourself (laughs) pre-date I think that'll help with little date nerves, don't you totally. think? That <laughs> totally. That might do it. <laughs> and Erin, I know you've made some dandelion wine for this book. One of the sections is how to make dandelion wine. Oh, but you also yeah. learned how to brew beer, too. Yes. And I think this is, okay, I don't know if that's something my, my grandmother would know how to do. or. Well, it's interesting. But, you know, these, these grandmothers, they were born, you know, in 1914 and beyond. So they were alive during Prohibition, and they talked a lot about that. and about It was mostly what their parents did but mm-hmm. almost all of them talked about their parents brewing or making wine in the no basement way. or in their living room and some of them uh said their fathers even made some beer i mean beer is pretty easy to make it's four ingredients it's water yeast hops and malt so how was your how was your efforts tr- learning how to do that for the first time did so, they go well or well home brewing is actually one of the things that i have done before Oh, that I did do before writing the book. So I've done that a couple times. And um, I actually just brewed a 15-gallon batch of uh, a red uh, 
cherry mm. ale with Yum. Belgian yeast for my book release party. Oh my gosh, week. that's exciting. I've called it Button Brew, <laughs> cool. and I've taste tested it, and it's pretty good. <laughs> that is great. Yeah, so really your book fun. launch party is coming up um, in a week or so? Yeah, it's on December 15th at the Bell House. Everybody's welcome. Everybody's welcome mm-hmm. up in the public. Check it out, guys. How to sew a button book party with Erin's own homebrew. <laughs> exactly. The button brew. The what? Is that button, button brew. brew? Yeah. That sounds awesome. Yeah, it's, it I think fun. it's awesome that you knew how to brew beer before you knew how to make a pie. <laughs> and Priorities. <laughs> it's probably going to be some really good beer. That's, that's what I'm thinking. And so your parents knew how to brew beer? Like, no, no, it's, it's something your, I took okay. myself. You yeah. just had an interest in it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Would, you serve, would you serve beer at a date instead of wine, over wine? Or does it just depend on um, the food maybe and... Maybe like a fancy beer, like a yeah, like a wine, Belgian beer. Wine always gets the romance, you know, cred. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it would for for a hot date, I'd probably get a bottle of wine. Really, yeah, I think so. I mean, beer is it good. Depends too, on the guy, though. You know, I'm sure some men really love and could be impressed by an awesome Belgian or something. That's true, especially if it's so, homemade. Yeah, too. So it just depends. <laughs> I think. Yeah, yeah. I think anything like that would be anything homemade. Um, as long as it's not burnt, is always <laughs> <laughs> it's always a great choice. So we only have a few more minutes left, but um, I know you have a book coming up and party coming up. Katerina, can we expect what are you going to be up to next? Well, that's actually I'm in the period of figuring what wine and cheese mm-hmm. adventures lay ahead. Where you're going to take those skills? Exactly, and you know I was just in the country for so long, and I'm excited of what really exists for that in the city. You know, what's the urban winemaker cool. like? And and uh, Red Hook Wine. Exactly, Red Hook Winery just sounds really awesome. So I'd cool. love to explore. Is anybody what? making cheese in New York City proper? Oh wait, Salvatore Porco. Yeah. I think they're the only ones, though. But that's fresh cheese. Why don't, why don't we do something cheese. else? Well, we could be the first. Totally. <laughs> All right. Look out for that. Um, thanks so much, guys, again, for being on the show. Thank you. Um, we'll be back next week, as usual, at 1 o'clock at Let's Eat In, not Cheap Date Anymore, <laughs> at um, Heritage Radio Network. I'd like to thank Jack Inslee, Heritage um, Foods USA, for having this wonderful radio network. And... Thanks. Thank you. Bye. Bye. She's telling lies and he hears them passing by He's not a man at all